1: Seb, how are you?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Oh, it's actually my first ever Twitter space. It's quite exciting. I didn't expect <laughs> it to be about this. Like, I I, uh, I, saw the stories and I just thought, wow, that, that, that's something for the end of the season or something to kind of, like, drone on TDC for the next three months. But, yeah, it took about an hour for them to be, to be sacked.
1: I know, not only is it your first Twitter space, I think it's your debut on the Gig Impressing podcast of sorts.
2: Um... Yeah,
1: it... Manuel and I were talking about this last week,
2: and um, yeah, I did promise to come on, but like again, I thought we'd plan it a little bit, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, what's the what's what's the expression I'm thinking of? I'm going to say chariots of fire. That's not the words. Uh, baptism of fire. There we go. That's the expression. Yeah, it's it's definitely not chariots of fire. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I see Manu is in here. He's currently down as a listener. I've sent him two requests to join us as a speaker, but. He's on his holidays, he's probably had a few glasses of wine, he's probably fumbling around with his phone at the moment. Um, But while we wait for him, I'll obviously just um, introduce you to anyone who doesn't know which, I'd be amazed if they don't, Uh, but you're of course Seb stafford Bloor, the fantastic football writer for The Athletic, and the TIFU YouTube channel, the TIFU podcast as well, uh, which I enjoy every week, I must say, one of my go-to podcasts, that's for sure, especially that you're on it Seb. and all-round German football guru is that a fair way to describe it
2: no no German football beginner Stefan so like um I'm kind of uh I'm, I moved to Germany a couple of years ago with my wife and um I'm kind of finding my way learning as much as I can and, and getting around the country as quickly as possible but um no I barely scratched the surface but I'm, I'm having a great time learning and finding out about German football um and uh yeah but yeah it's quite superficial my knowledge but you know it should be good enough for this conversation.
1: <laughs> uh, right. Send course. I've got it on. I've got Manu messaging me saying I can't get on, but we'll, we'll give him a couple of more minutes uh, until... I've sent him a co-host co-host invitation, so hopefully he gets that. Um, he's still he's still there as a listener. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. He's right? lurking. on. He's, it's like he's going to stand... Yeah, I feel like he's kind of standing, like, off to the side of the stage behind the curtain, just kind of glaring at us. Uh yeah. Yeah. Well you and I both just try and like make up for the kind of airtime at the moment. Oh, that's okay. Oh, Alright, so man, here we go. A rare Manu suddenly appears. There he is. There he is. Did that work? Did that work? Apparently yeah,
3: yeah. you can only do this on your phone. So here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well there we go. Uh should we just jump straight into this then?
3: Yeah, Let's I do guess it. Let's do it. you should jump well first of all, Seb. Hey, how's it going?
2: <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> hey man, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I last saw you in, in East Berlin about six months <laughs> ago, didn't I? So yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I guess this is not really how we imagine having you on the first game pressing show, but here you are. Um <laughs> probably the biggest news you can have. And um isn't it nice of Bayern to interrupt everyone's holidays, Stefan?
1: oh i know so yeah just some context here uh i'm not quite sure what you were doing this evening said but just off some context manu and i planned a week off because he's currently <laughs> i think you're currently actually quite literally in the cabin in the woods somewhere uh, yeah. outside Vancouver, <laughs> um, and i'm actually i'm actually staying at my parents house right now because i'm flying out of glasgow tomorrow i, I live outside uh, i live in the outside of the country actually now um I'm off to Amsterdam for a a stag do, actually, of all things. The the least said about that, the better. So very, very last minute. Both of us nowhere near prepared or at our desks uh, or anything, really. I don't even have a computer in front of me to check the news as it comes through. So that's how we get But that's that's just how we roll, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: So you gave me an extra 10 minutes to jump in. Um, I did speak to some people. I did this all while I was I was actually on a bike ride when this happened, and <laughs> and had to interrupt it and actually send out some messages. So I, I think I got a little bit of a picture of what happened here. Okay, but um, so should I just jump in with this then? Yeah, um, tell us what you know. Okay, so it's done. Yeah, it went <laughs> as quickly as you possibly can. Um, the, the story leaks of course and then um, I guess it took like another 45 minutes to an hour for people to get it confirmed um, Nagelsmann himself did not know when the story first leaked which I think is crazy imagine you find this out on Twitter and it's like you're on holiday yeah. yourself and this is how you find out I think what really was the big thing here so there's two things here that, that stand out to me I think it's a First of all, it was the result against Leverkusen, um, where Bayern Munich tactically got schooled by Javi Alonso, right? Um, and I think it wasn't necessarily the fact that they lost the game, but it was the manner they lost it. And I think it really worried them what that could mean for what is a very important fixture against Man City, right? It's not even the match, the, the results the Bundesliga gets more... How, what is this going to do when they play um, a big team like Man City? Are they going to get smashed because Nagelsmann is being outcoached? And then the other thing, and this is not done quite yet, um, although seeing how quickly this moves um, this, this evening, um, the availability of Thomas Tuchel, who has been talking to other clubs, um, including Tottenham, right, meant that Bayern Munich felt they either do this now or they don't do this at all. Mm. So I think this is sort of where we're at. Um, with what I've got, was able to put together, 45 minutes while being on a bike in the middle of the nowhere on Vancouver Island in the woods. <laughs> so, Stefan, I'd like you take it from here. <laughs> that's, that's
2: just bragging, though, isn't it? That's just, like, that, that, that's flaunting a
1: cosmopolitan lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've, I've now got a picture in my head of Manu, like, in this beautiful, idyllic, country road and his apple watch suddenly starts buzzing and he just kind of falls off his bike somewhere uh,
3: i did almost fall off on the side
2: yeah
1: when, when, yeah so like
2: by comparison like when when Stephen like messaged me to say do you want to come on the spaces like i was in bed and I, I said to my wife oh i'm just gonna go next door into the office to, to do a twitter spaces and she was like you're gonna do what <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> and I was like, I going kind to of mumble something, and I, I I got sent away basically. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not it's not
1: cycling in like in Vale or wherever he is. It's not the same thing like northern Germany in in, in March. Yeah, it's it's just the kind of occupational hazard of being married to a sports journalist. I'm afraid at times you do have to just kind of yeah. and do silly things. But anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. Before we kind of jump into the Thomas Tuchel side of this, said let's talk about Nagelsmann because. There'll be yeah. a lot of kind of Bayern Munich fans and just fans in general, kind of just absolutely baffled by this. They'll wake up maybe tomorrow morning, have no idea how this happened. Let's let's try and conduct the post mortem here. What are your thoughts on? If I mean nothing's been confirmed yet, we should say that. But assuming the news comes through at some point, what was your initial reaction? Do you think it's justified? Can you understand why? If not, why? Blah blah blah. Give us your thoughts.
2: Okay, so in no particular order, um, I I understand why, because in my mind, there's always been something slightly uneasy about this. Um, Like, one of the things that surprised Mm. me when when I moved over was just, like, just how total the focus on Bayern Munich is Mm. from the German media. And it felt like um, the types of stories that were sort of, those types of negative stories written about Nagelsmann um, were kind of instructive about where this partnership was heading. Like, do you remember um, back at the beginning of last season when there was a kind of general disgruntlement about the way he was dressing in the technical area mm-hmm. do you remember that story that's quite a while ago yeah. but it, it was that's the kind of story that doesn't come out if things are good um and also um I remember Raph Honigstein um over at the Athletic wrote a really good piece about Nagelsmann's response to the Gladbach loss um and how his kind of maturity level had been exposed mm-hmm. um and uh, Manny talked about also um the loss to Leverkusen, which uh, it was like from a from a technical perspective, was really disappointing. And um, mm. I thought I thought Leverkusen dealt with them quite easily. Mm. Um, and it's a funny Leverkusen side; like they're capable of being everything. There's a full kind of rainbow of performances under Alonso at the moment. They're, they're very very unpredictable. At the same time, I, I thought the way that Nagelsmann spoke about uh, his team after that game was quite dangerous for someone in his in his position. Um, like you can you can be quite disparaging, I reckon, not just at Bayern Munich, but at any big club, if you've got a strong power base, if you've got the kind of um, the trophy tonnage and the reputation to sort of to back that up. Um, mm. but with and this has been true for a lot of coaches across Europe, like Thomas Tuchel's been there since he left Chelsea lurking. Mm. And if you have the opportunity to appoint someone like Tuchel, you're gonna do it at some point, really. Or you're gonna be tempted. And so it feels like all of those things combined Makes me think. Yes, it's it's a terribly bold decision, and um, it doesn't feel very Bayern Munich to to chop a manager in the on, on the kind of a Thursday night in the middle of an international break. That feels quite odd.
1: Um, but I, I get why it's happened. Yeah, it's really interesting you mention that. I, as you were talking there, it made me think that Thomas Tuchel is to the Bundesliga kind of what Rachel Pochettino seems to be to the Premier League these days. That. Whenever a top manager begins to kind of struggle, those rumours just kind of begin <laughs> to surface. It's like, oh well, Pochettino could replace him. You never know, um, and that seems to be what happens. Um, it's I, I kind of agree with you, but in terms of kind of Nagelsmann's fit at Bayern Munich, we've talked about this in the podcast a few times this season in terms of how he doesn't really conduct himself quite like a Bayern Munich head coach. You know, he's not Jupp uh, You know, even someone like Hansi Flick, who obviously, had his issues behind closed doors at Bayern still kind of conduct themselves very differently on the pitch. And I completely agree with you in terms of kind of the media coverage of Bayern. I think we were actually talking about this recently as well in terms of the, the minutiae of stuff that they, they does get covered in terms of, you know, a blow-by-blow blow of how players are training, uh, how many players were smiling in Oktoberfest photos, things like that. You know, just the really bizarre stuff that does get kind of dissected into bonkers things and but the interesting thing do is do you that...
2: remember like just sorry Stephen? do you remember because you mentioned Oktoberfest? do you remember that series of pictures i forget like um i forget what the, re- the recent result was mm. but like it was the day after and they came out in their traditional um Oktoberfest garb and mm. uh, the, the kind of the, the normal thing they do the beginning of the, cer- the um, beginning of it every year and it was like there was a sort of like um it was like looking at autopsy photos, wasn't it? Because it was a kind of like, oh, look, 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 look look, how unhappy Olly Kahn is today. We were
3: together when this happened. We were. That
2: no, it was the loss against Augsburg, wasn't it? Yes, Manu? it was. Yes, 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 it was. We, we were, were together. together. Yes, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. And, yeah. and it was it was bizarre because it was like, well, what do you expect? Like, you know, you'd be marched out in front of the press and you've just lost Augsburg and Dortmund had won that day. And that was that felt significant at the time. Um, and it's it's just an incredible level of scrutiny, which I I wasn't I wasn't prepared for. Sorry to have interrupted you, Stefan.
1: No, I mean you're absolutely right, and it's, it adds perfect context to what we're talking about here. And I think yeah. there's kind of two separate things here for Nagelsmann. There's the there's a the stuff that's happening on the pitch, and there's the stuff that's happening off the pitch. And you know Nagelsmann obviously has kind of his own brand, which he's kind of had to build up himself. And I think you could probably make a strong point that. He's had to build it up from nothing because he wasn't a former player. Uh, you know, he started off as a youth coach at uh, 1860, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before moving to Bayern. Um, and then obviously at Hoffenheim and RB Leipzig. But even there, he was known as, you know, one of these kind of, I can't remember the expression. was a like calculator manager or some disparaging term. Laptop. Coach. That's the right. That's the term. Yeah. And so, yeah. and I've always kind of had the impression when you do watch him on the touchline and the way that he dresses and the way he behaves it's almost like he's having to compensate for that maybe lack of profile that an ex-player maybe would have by right um, and I think that maybe has meant that he has kind of looked out of place at Bayern at times, you know, all the things we've talked about there um, and of course the way he does react to results and things like that, but well, I do agree with that. I do kind of feel like if we actually take what he's done on the pitch this season, I feel like maybe it's still a little harsh, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, we can't forget the fact that, you know, the club lost Robert Lewandowski uh, in the summer well ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, I think when Nagelsmann took on the job, he realised that he would have to maybe contend with the day without Robert Lewandowski. But the manner in which that was pushed through in the summer, I think, probably left the club as a whole on the back foot and Nagelsmann had to kind of, you know, deal with that and I think he has for the most part done what he can. I mean, of course, he tried this kind of strikeless formation at the start of the season didn't quite work out and he kind of ended up relying on Choupo-Moting and, you know, on paper, you can definitely argue, you know, well, Choupo-Moting's not a kind of world-class striker, Bayern Munich can't rely on him forever but he did help them get past PSG, he's helped them get past Barcelona in the group stages and things so, and then even if you kind of want to just kind of look at the results, they're still arguably on course to probably win the Bundesliga this season. And the most bizarre thing in all this is that I think they probably look maybe the strongest team in the, in the Champions League this season, except for maybe Manchester City. So that side of it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know. Manuel. do you want to jump in? Because you haven't had a, uh, anything to say recently.
3: Well, I, I think I think a lot of... And uh, kind of mentions it. I think... I think a lot of what's happening here has to do with things that are not necessarily happening on the pitch. The results are a big part of this. Um, don't don't date me wrong here. Um, I think you know what they are unhappy with is that Bayern Munich has seen has been playing these fantastic games. Um, you, you mentioned the Champions League here, where they have been almost unbeatable, right? At times and. We're talking about them beating some of the, the, the biggest teams um, in Europe and, and doing it so quite easily. But then you had the Gladbach game. And you had the Leverkusen game. And I think all of that would have been excusable if he would conduct himself a little bit different off the pitch, right? Um, we laughed quite a bit when those uh, Oktoberfest pictures came out, right, Seb? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I... I, I I thought it was like the funniest thing uh, um, ever, but I mean, there's there's quite a bit to this because um, there's obviously this was a marriage of convenience for quite some time, uh, and those photos, you know, they're kind of like the post mortem of a wedding, like of a of a marriage, where you look at that look at the picture and you can tell that the couple isn't happy anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. But the results were still quite there, um, but you know, even in the summer last summer, when when I was on the road with Bayern Munich in the States, there was a few times that Nagelsmann said certain things, and it would upset the Bayern board because he upset some other manager. Remember when he, for example, went out and said he wants he wants Harry Kane, and then Bayern mm. Munich had to apologize to Tottenham because it's a player who's not under contract at Bayern. You know, mm. and Bayern Munich usually do that kind of stuff. Um, but He did it anyways. Then, then last year there was that story where he made fun of uh, firefighters, and he then actually went out and volunteered for a firefighter brigade, right? Mm-hmm. Because like uh, he said, like we're not the Freiwillige Feuerwehr, we're not a voluntary fire department, right? And it's just certain things, like if you are a Bayern Munich coach, you have to be almost like a statesperson, mm-hmm. right? And he was none of that. And I think if he had been. Stefan mentions Hansi Flick that's a great example, or Jupp Heinkes or um, Hitzfeld. Otmar Hitzfeld, right? Yeah. Those, those people, when the results weren't right, they contacted themselves in a stately manner. And he didn't. And it's almost, it's almost like there was always some sort of drama, right? Mm. I mean, the most recent thing is the Manuel Neuer stuff, mm. right? where he axed Manuel Neuer's um, buddy, um, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. I think it all adds up and I think it's almost the, yeah, they weren't happy with the results on the field and there were certain things that they were, that they were rightfully concerned about. Um, but I think quite a bit of the story is also what happened off the field. And I think there was, I, I I'm curious, right. Sometimes it's like good to, to, to talk about this kind of stuff and get responses, but this went so quick and I'm actually kind of curious what will happen when this becomes official right and we have to point this out this has not been confirmed by the club yet officially mm-hmm. um and i'm really curious to see what the statements from oliver Kahn and hassan salih are going to be yeah. like yeah, yeah. because i think you're going to be able to read quite a lot into what they thought was the the final straw Right, that broke the camel's back. And I'm really curious about that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, th- I think the other thing that kind of intrigues me as well is the timing and the apparent or reported interest in going straight for Thomas Tuchel here. Because if you kind of take like a 10,000 feet view of this and you kind of look at it like moving mm-hmm. kind of board pieces across a board or chess pieces across the board, uh, Bayern apparently reported, according to Beale, saying that, you know, they were very nervous about maybe Thomas Tuchel being enticed to a club like Real Madrid or Tottenham and I do kind of wonder if you could maybe even go as far back as maybe Jurgen Klopp who you know is a a head coach that Bayern have always admired I think they maybe always thought once he's done what he wants to do Liverpool we could entice him here but you know instead of maybe kind of giving up at Liverpool he decided to double down he started kind of you know, renewed his interest in the club. He's not leaving Liverpool anytime soon, unless something dramatic happens, like new, you know, new owners or whatever else. So that then shifts to Thomas Tuchel as the kind of long term appointee to maybe replace Nagelsmann. And then they maybe have to have suddenly had to pull that forward because Tuchel suddenly gets sacked from Chelsea and he's now a potential, you know, he's now a potential appointment for any of Bayern's main rivals in the Champions League.
2: One is-, is it. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because you could go a little bit further back and say, like, if you you return to that sort of Sally Hamersich Flick argument that seemed to go on forever and the kind of the tension between the two, and how it almost seemed like um, Flick's decision to leave Bayern Munich accelerated their plans with Nagelsmann in itself. Because, like, there are certain clubs where, and this isn't in Germany, this is everywhere, where it matters first and foremost what you do as a coach, like a, as a technical coach, as a, a kind of a, a technocrat. And there are other clubs, and there's probably about four or five of these in the world at any one time, where, Lightman, like who said, you have to be a statesman too. And it felt like what's happened to Nagelsmann is, he's absolutely ready to coach a club of Bayern Munich's resources and abilities and, um, you know, collection of stars. But being ready to exist in that atmosphere is a completely different issue. Right. Um, and it feels like, and the one, one thing is, and this will be, this will be shown in, in sort of over the next five, ten years... What happens to someone like this when you go to a club of Bayern's size and it doesn't go well? Like yeah. do you then have to go like not not back to like a Hoffenheim level, but then do you have to return to kind of um, you know, I am sure they'll be Premier League Seb, for him in the summer. Then... Seb you
1: end up the Wolfsburg head coach, that's what happens to you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sometimes you win the title of a yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that, that, exactly that
2: right so like can I what, what what how much how much is the what's the black mark here like what what what's the kind of the long term reputational damage I think that's really interesting yeah too.
1: the kind of ironic thing here is that you know Bayern are potentially trying to jump the jump the shark here by getting Tuchel before Real Madrid and Tyson but by doing so they sacked Nagelsmann who if you remember, is someone that Real Madrid have been courting for years and years and years and tried to sign back when he was at Hoffenheim, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe he certainly made moves to try and bring Mm -hmm. him in. Um, Listen, guys, before we kind of crack on, I've got uh, Phil Boney here who'd like to join us. I've sent him an invitation to speak, uh, who, of course, is one of the voices of the Bundesliga uh, commentator as well as other things. So once he accepts an invitation to speak, which I have sent, Phil, if you are listening... I'll send it again. Um he'd like to jump in. So he'll jump in at some point, but man, I'll let you kind of crack on and I'm sure Phil can say hello when he when he gets the invitation. Oh.
3: Can we talk about Thomas Tuchel? Yeah, I mean because Oh Phil's here. I'm not hundred I'm not a hundred percent sure that Bayern Munich are actually solving their problems that they had with Nagelsmann off the field um, by hiring Thomas Tuchel. Mm. Because you remember like you remember how it went at Dortmund you remember how it went at PSG, and you remember how like well at Chelsea you know like he still remembered there very positively but I almost wonder if if they're getting rid of one coach who um is is not willing to create controversy and just opening the door for another coach who's pretty much doing the same' is going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not always an easy person to deal with either. Right. We all remember how it went to Dortmund, of course, but I almost wonder if they're doing themselves, of they're really doing themselves a favour here. Yeah.
1: Phil, do you want to jump in and let us know what you think?
0: Uh, I'll just jump in and say, what the hell is going on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to our slumper party. It's like the most amazing, catastrophic, earthquake sort of... Yeah, this is this is going to send. Obviously, I'm 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 arriving late to this particular party that's been hosted brilliantly by yourself uh, and the other guys, um, and I've been listening for, for for some time on the side. Uh, we've got to think about how this affects Bayern's aspirations towards the Champions League, because mm-hmm. basically, if you've won the Bundesliga for the last ten years, you don't give a a, a dog's. Whatever about it, their title uh, this season that they have in their in their in their crosshairs is the is the Champions League, and they've been doing really well. And all of a sudden, you've put a hole in your own boat. You've told everybody basically, we're sinking. It's all going really badly, and we're going to get this life uh, saving guy in, whoever it might be. I mean, obviously, Tuchel is is, is the big is the big talk, to- but. Think about that, how that works on the aspirations, thoughts uh, and motivation of the players themselves. All of a sudden, you've got the ground from underneath you has been removed. Okay, of course, you're still a professional and you're going to give your best. And and, and there's all that kind of thing that goes on. But I'm amazed that they did it at this point in the season. This is this is a, 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 you know, this could just take the earth out from underneath them. they played Dortmund when they when they come when we come back after the uh, after the uh, international break a loss mm. against Dortmund and then you're against Man City oh my God against Pep Guardiola who knows how Bayern tick because he made them tick like they do okay they changed it up a little bit since Nilsen arrived but hello this is going to be this this has so massive proportions I can't even even begin to get my head around the whole thing and I'm sure you guys are the same. Yeah, that, I mean, you're absolutely right and that kind of, what that's
1: what continues to baffle me because you know, we just talked about, you know, Nagelson's track record at the club uh, and whether this is justified, but you could even kind of turn it around and say, why the hell would Thomas Tuchel want the job right now? He's got Dortmund coming up after the international break, he's then got a header against Manchester City and, you know, there's this assumption that he's this kind of tactical mastermind and I think he's a very good head coach, I think he's one of the best in the world, but He's going to really have to hit the ground running there, and what at what point does he oh, turn around and say, "I want this job right now"? Ahead of these three games that will either make or break my season.
3: So oh, I, come on, a, well, the thing more... is, he, else, guys, it all
0: go with the the squad they've got is is good enough, and the and the quality is there. And you know, let's not let's not make any bones about it. But fans kick around the whole, "Oh, he's buying forever, and he's Dortmund forever." No, we're all like we want to further our own career. And if by coming into a new job and kicking the ass of a former, former uh, club that you work for, it would be brilliant. He'd dine out on that for years because it's about his professional, uh, 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 kudos. So if Tuchel comes in, beats Dortmund, goes on to take Bayern to the Champions League, he becomes a legend. Uh, and, and we mustn't ever forget that. The, the, forget, forget loyalties. It, this is, this is modern football where, um, the mercenary aspect is huge, but that's part of, of, of modern football and certainly my point of view. You, you, you can't blame people for being as good as they want to be or trying to be as good as they want to be. And if you come in and you take over Bayern München, one of the best clubs in the entire world at football, and then you steer them through a dodgy phase, you beat your closest rivals Dortmund and take them to the Champions League, you are a legend forever. Yeah, I mean, the only
1: thing that... I'll, I'll let you jump in, Manu, but the thing that yeah. just still kind of baffles me is that Tuchel's taking on a squad here that essentially is halfway in the process of being transformed by Nagelsmann. The club has spent a lot of money on signing players that he wants to bring in. Um, is it not a bit odd to just bring a head coach in at this time?
3: Yeah, no, but like the thing is with Bayern, right? Um, this is always always a big... And a really important thing to remember is that they sign players regardless of who the, the head coach is. Um, so, and in, in in many cases, for example, they then expect the head coach to work with these players and, um, essentially use the system that has been in place already. Um, and in this case, you know, it goes back to Louis van Gaal, who basically is the Godfather of the current um, Bayern Munich tactical lookout, uh, this system and the way they play, um, and then of course you know your Pinkers and then Pep Guardiola also left uh, left a little bit of a mark. But I think I think this when you look at the players that were brought in, and there's a lot of examples where I think you can even point out and say that there's more reason why the club was unhappy with him, right? One thing that was just pointed out to me is that talent development. Uh, Ryan Gravenberg was brought in. Matthias Tell was mm. brought in, right? Um, and these players haven't really been given the time um, to develop under Nagelsmann. And I think this is, this is another aspect that they're uh, extremely unhappy about. Um, just to add to that a little bit further, right? And the other thing is, too, and I find this really fascinating, so Thomas Tuchel has now been living in Munich for weeks, which makes me think... This is, this is not something that has happened overnight. Um, and look, Bayern Munich don't necessarily do things overnight. I think what happened here is that this just leaked before they wanted it to leak. There was supposed to be a meeting tomorrow. Um, that has been scheduled for a while. Where the bosses were going to sit down with Nagasman and discuss this. And that's when it was supposed to come out, right? Um, the way it goes, sometimes things leak a little bit faster uh which is why we're now doing this space on a thursday night rather than on a friday i guess um but irregardless it's the same the story happens the same way and i i think you know the more i think of it the more i think it's actually consequential because you do it at a time when when you have this this period off right um you can sort of reset and you can sort of Bring in a coach who you think is maybe tactically better suited for yourself. It's still insane because like they pay twenty five million euros to sign Nagasman from Leipzig, right? Um, but like Tuchel coming in now, it makes a lot of sense um, for them. I think I, it doesn't necessarily make as much sense for everyone, but it, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. And yeah, here we are on Monday. What? Apparently, he will lead the first session. <laughs>
2: I, I think people underestimate Thomas Tuchel's like, man-management abilities. Like I, I thought that ever since he took mm-hmm. Paris Saint-Germain to a Champions League final. I mean, if you can take that circus to the brink of the Champions <laughs> League
1: um, with those... <laughs> from emails... from the circus to FC Hollywood. Well, oh, yeah. like... That was probably the
3: best training for him, right? PSG of,
1: to,
2: of to lead Bayern. And also, look look at the cast of, of coaches who have failed to replicate or or equal what he did there. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's not Paris Saint-Germain, but Chelsea's not easy politically either. Um, and yeah. he dealt with an awful lot of, you know, towards the end of his Chelsea career, that was a very um, unique situation, of course. But he took a, a very underpowered Chelsea side to a Champions League, to a, to a European Cup. They never should, should got anyone near. And also, if you're a Bayern Munich player now, and say you're someone like Thomas Muller, for instance, you've won absolutely everything. You're one of the most decorated players in European football history. Uh you have someone that comes through the door who has already won the European Cup. I think that's like if you're Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. and you're you're preparing to face Bayern Munich in the next round of the Champions League. I think you'd much rather be facing Nagelsmann's side than than someone who commands respect in that way. That's that's very very precious. And also we, we know about his technical abilities, but he has a credibility that um, yeah. that is very very powerful. I, I I'm I'm, I'm very much on the fence about what this appointment looks like over the long term, even though the medium to long term, over the short term, I love it. Like I, I if, if I was a buy fan, um, regardless of like how my car's behaved and whether they've done things in the correct order or, um, you know, it, 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 whether they've been deferential enough to, you know, Hugsman, I don't know. But in terms of what the product is likely to look like on the pitch, um, sure. it's kind of intoxicating the idea of it. And like, you know, I think um, if you look at... We've mentioned Ryan Gravenberch, um, Maserawi, again, obviously injuries have been difficult, but another sort of disappointing season. If you look at sort of the the lack of production um, or lack of relative production out of the attacking position, so yeah. I'm thinking about Serge Nabry's performances dropping off over the last... From what they were a couple of years ago, Leroy Sané has been... Um, it always feels like he's booming or busting during the season. He's never on a kind of an even keel. It always seems to be yeah. that way. Um, uh, Sadio Mane, like, well, there's some reports in, uh, I feel, which Javan Outlet published them today, but about how he doesn't look fit or whatever. Like, if you're able to get a solid, stable level of performance out of all of those players and a level of contribution from all of them evenly throughout the rest of the season, God, that's a strong side. You know, don't, you're not don't going to play that bi-minute team with or without Lewandowski, regardless.
3: Although, I have to kind of jump in here and point out that um, because I did a piece on that last week on whether Bayern Munich needs Harry Kane or not.
2: um, Oh, will you stop it? Will you stop trying to sell Harry Kane to Bayern Munich?
3: (laughs) Well, it it could be more likely now. Um, Apparently, he broke a goal-scoring record today. It was pointed out to me by Twitter. But um, more importantly, they have actually have more players contributing in double-digit um, scoring this season than they had over the entire course of last year, and that mm. includes actually higher goal output. By I know Serge Gnabry has a bad rap among a lot, a lot, a lot among a lot of people, but he's a, he's on a higher pace this year than last year. Is same he really? For, really same, me. same for Same for Sane, mm. and I only noticed because like I ducked into the numbers last week, right? But like I was actually kind of surprised by it too. Last he, year they uh, had uh, they had four players that scored more than ten goals. This year they already have five. Right, um, so they actually, in fairness, in Nagasman's defense, he actually managed to compensate the 50 goals that now Lewandowski scored and actually distributed them among more shoulders, and oh, those players have been scoring more goals, and you, they might end look, up with six. That's, so this
1: this this is kind of what I was talking about earlier on when I said maybe he deserves a bit more benefit of doubt here in the maybe, sense yeah. that. Yeah. You know, he just lost arguably the best number nine in the world. Um, and maybe Seb might disagree with that, obviously, in terms of Harry Kane <laughs> or whoever else, but mm-hmm. you know, but I think there's maybe a point to that. There's maybe an argument to be made that maybe while Bayern are going through the motions and they are actually picking up the results, and maybe on paper they look just as good as they were last season, I think you could definitely make the argument and you know, Seb kind of alluded to this a couple of minutes ago that. You look across that entire front line, and we actually talked about this in the main show and uh, the main mm-hmm. podcast on Monday. In the sense that, to me, the difference between Dortmund and Bayern since the turn of the year is that Dortmund seem to have these backup players that are just desperate to run through Wall For even Terzic, you know, you look at Marius Wolf, you look at Emery Chan, even guys like Mo De Hood who are just happy to come in and just suddenly look like all-star players. And you look at Bayern Munich, and it feels like no one's really that interested in being and stepping up and becoming that star player. Maybe that's. Just a cultural thing for a club that that so many that for so many years have just relied on Robert Lewandowski to be the leader, to be the to be the the poster boy, uh, to be the guy who steps up and kind of takes on that pressure. And maybe the likes of Serge Gnabry, Kings of Coma, and Leroy Sani, perhaps the most obvious one, just aren't exactly comfortable doing that. But it 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 makes me feel like you know. The, we, we still haven't got to the end of this process to kind of conclude whether it's working or not. That's the thing that's still kind of, you know, it, that's still kind of itching the back of my head here. And maybe it's just the inner contrarian in me, but I do feel like I'm going to have to be the kind of devil's advocate here and making the point that yeah, Thomas Tuchel great. He's got a fantastic track record. But, and I say this as someone who doesn't really entirely believe the reputation that he has, that he, you know, he he's he self destructs after a certain period of time at every club because I think there's I think you could look at his time at Dortmund, at PSG, at Chelsea, and they're all completely different factors and he left each club under completely different circumstances. But he still hasn't proven that he can be the kind of steady hand, the statesman, the long term appointment for a club like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or whatever else you want to call it. Um he still hasn't proved that. So Do we maybe- do we think maybe do I mean sorry to jump in,
2: Stephen? Do we, do we think maybe like the, the era of like the dynastic long term manager, not in the Ferguson Wenger sense, but like in the idea yeah. when you appoint someone, you're getting five good years. Like I just don't I don't feel like the pace of the modern game, and I mean like I don't mean on the pitch. I mean just generally the news cycle and the kind of the attritional nature of being in football at the top level now. It doesn't feel like it's conducive to working at a big club for very long anymore. Like, I'm not saying that everyone has to become a sort of, um, you know, a, a one year, eighteen month coach, but the idea that maybe if you were to get three and a half years out of someone like Thomas Tuchel before, oh. um, before uh, like a, a deterioration of a relationship, then that that would feel like quite a good return. Also, can I, I, I just because um, it's one of my favorite topics at the moment. I love that you mentioned Maris Wolf. Just because <laughs> Maris Wolf, like a year ago, I, I remember I, I remember watching him playing for Dortmund, and just thinking. Why are you there? Like, why, why, what are you doing <laughs> in that side? And Eden it to, to his credit, Marius Wolf has been absolutely fantastic since the World Cup. He, right. um, I think probably that the high point of his season was that sort of outside of the right 40 yard three ball that he played for, um, uh, Marco Royce against Leipzig, um, mm. a couple of weeks ago. He's 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 become an excellent player, and it feels like that's one of the things that's missing at Bayern. like, you're not seeing. Yeah. With the statistics that um Manu mentioned earlier aside, uh-huh. which um, which surprised me, I still still don't feel that the tenor performance from some of those individuals represents improvement or even anything less than a regression. I would say that like Sergeant Albury's statistics may be very good, but I, I don't see him as the player he was eighteen months ago. Um, I would say Sane is um, has had moments but is in a similar sort of category. Um, and at Dortmund you have these guys who like Maris Wolf, yes, but um, Daniel Marlin has become a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Um, Amy, pre injury was starting to play some of the best football he's he's had since um, since moving to Germany, um, and it's it's kind of that culture of improvement which I think um, you still need to have at Bayern, and I think Tuchel mm-hmm. can probably deliver that. I, I think you know Chelsea players that um, that worked under him, you know someone like Mason Mount was pretty good under him. Um, Kai Havertz played a lot better than he's currently playing now at Chelsea. Um, so there's, this kind of, I see it. Like I, I think I'm trying to, as this, as the space has developed, I'm trying to talk myself into liking this as a decision. <laughs>
1: that, but but, I'm hearing myself. I think that's what I'm. This what I must be doing. But the issue is for me is that he had that runway at Chelsea to prove himself, and he did. Obviously, he won the Champions League. So you know. And that's exactly what he could maybe do at Bayern Munich uh, this season. But it did come tumbling down at Chelsea. And, you know, maybe there were other factors involved there. With But it, it, it wasn't just that they brought a new owner in and he didn't like him. Things were beginning to fall apart long before that. So mm. it's not as if it was 100% all the way. And then, you know, a new boss came in and didn't like him. So he brought in his own guy. He Things, the players did begin to underperform. The tactics did begin to stop working. And I, I'm 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 not really here to badmouth Tuchel cool, because I'm a big fan of his, and I, I certainly praised him when he moved to Chelsea. And I thought, you know, he'd had a lot of bad press after what happened at PSG. But I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Seb, In terms of you know modern football is maybe different, and maybe we do have to kind of chop and change from time to time. But I would say that if, if there's any club in European football that I think. Would probably still stick to the old guard as much as they can, or the old way of doing things. And out of all these kind of super clubs, I think it is Bayern Munich. And yeah, I think that's pretty fair.
3: Yeah, no, um,
1: kind of reminds me
3: of. I, I just had this thought, and, and I'm old enough to remember this. I'm going to terribly age myself here, but your Piem- your Piem- was at Bayern Munich twice, right? Yeah. And the first time he was fired, this was in 1991. And for years afterwards, Uli Hoeneß said that that was his biggest mistake that he's mm. made as Bayern Munich sporting director, or manager, as we call him in German, right? Mm. I wonder if we, in two or three years, going to have the same discussion about this.
1: Well, of course we are, because Real Madrid are going to go hire Nagelsmann in the summer yeah. and win the Champions and it's, I, We do probably have to wrap this up because we're coming up in an hour, but how about we go around the four of us and have our kind of, Closing thoughts. I'll let Phil jump
0: in because he hasn't said anything in a while uh, and then we'll maybe try and wrap this up. Well, well it's, it's kind of impossible to get a word in edgeways really because Seb's going well and uh, Manny's going well. You, you, yourself are doing, you're doing all right. um, this is right. You're Munich a commentator. Talking... You're supposed to jump in at the right moment. Yeah, well, you know, I, I try and wait for a, a, an appropriate gap but it's, you know, this is Bayern Munich we're talking about. Anyone can come in with that squad and do things and I'm, and, and, um, Sure that they'll be expecting the the new coach bounce uh, to come in. It's not as if Thomas Tuchel is is, is new to this ho- this whole thing. Um, we were talking about you, oh, you you guys were talking about Dortmund about how uh, Emre Can uh, certainly uh, Marius Wolf really good performances. They're they're, they're hitting some form. Um, the the thing about Bayern is I I I think hanging it all on Lewandowski is wrong um, because. You know, Chopin Moting has been doing a really good job for them. the The, the fact that he's injured uh, recently has uh, is, is been a, a bit of a problem for them. But they need that central figure up front, whether it's Lewandowski or Chopin Moting. I don't think that that's that's the problem. But the problem is, as has always been with Bayern especially when you've got players... I mean, if you go back five years, when you've got, like, Robin and and, and Ribéry out on the wings, nobody wants to sit on the bench. There's a certain amount of friction that's going on there. And when the other clubs are stronger, and and in this case, it has been Union. It has been uh, Dortmund. They've been matching them pace for pace. It's not been a dominant Bayern performance. They've been doing it for 10 years. Where do you go after 10 years? 11 years, 12 years, it gets slightly stayed as, as as the thing goes. And they now have a transitional period and they've made it worse. And I, I think they've undermined their, their own uh, uh, legend as it were, because they've built themselves now a, a trap to fall in. They've taken the carpet out from underneath themselves. And if it goes wrong this season, and Dortmund pipped them to the post because it's always about the consistency in the Bundesliga. We all know that. It's not how Dortmund play against Bayern. It's not how Dortmund play against Schalke. It's how they play against Mainz on a Wednesday evening or how they they play against Bochum and, and that 1-1 one, one unexpected draw that they, they get. That's the key. And they haven't been getting that this season. You cannot, you simply cannot go for 11 years... Dominating the Bundesliga. Sooner or later, there has to become a, a weak phase, and I think they've struck one. They've realised they've struck one. They want to change it up, but it's not necessarily about this season, which will hurt them for the Champions League. It's about next season and the seasons after, and that is what is exciting about the whole the, the whole situation. Uh, who
1: wants to go next? Seb Manu. <laughs> What are we doing? Am I, are we? Are we? Are we, are we? Are we? Are we summing up what we think about it, or we? Um... I I feel like this has just descended into almost like a a university debate society.
0: So if you want to just give your <laughs> closing thoughts,
1: well, I, I well I, I guess something. Thought... Yeah, yeah,
0: sorry, I, I, I... that's what I tried to do. Just give up my overall <laughs> thing. Sorry, Manu.
2: It was it was so all encompassing that I didn't know how to add to what Phil said. It just it felt felt like it kind of it dropped the mic for all four of us at the same time. It was yeah, I'm not following that. What I will say <laughs> is, I'd be very, very surprised if he ends up a nervous that, that is, of course, um, if he were to end up at another like super club. I don't see him going to Real Madrid anytime soon, even though there'll probably be a vacancy there. Um, PSG look like um, well, I, I don't give Christophe Gartier long at PSG. I put it that way. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know where he goes. I, I think he probably sits on a beach with a stack of Lee Child novels um, for 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 four months, yeah. just because. Um, I don't know, like, what, what the kind of the decompression period um, after is going to be like, like, emotionally, to be under that kind of strain and then to come out, I don't think you can go straight into another job. And I, I've been speaking to a few Tottenham fans who so are kind of hopeful that he might turn up at Boyer Lane. I, I'm not sure I see that. I, I think it would be a wonderful appointment, but I, I, I feel like that might be a bit too optimistic. Um, But it's it's interesting. I just think uh, one, one thing that we, we, we did say is, like, it wouldn't be a surprise if he were to be a kind of another Yupincas in the sense that he would yeah. reappear at Bayern in a few years, because I think that's another trend too. Like I, just because you fail at a specific moment in time at the club doesn't necessarily mean that with a bit of reputational surgery and um, a few years passing, you can't go back. It's not like the old days really, in that sense. Mm. So um, yeah. I don't I don't think his door is closed to Bayern forever.
0: Seb, no, Seb, Seb, just just to jump in. <laughs> Nagelsmann's the kind of coach that would go back to Hoffenheim, save them, take them up next next season, up, up the table. I mean, that's that's the kind of challenge that he will appreciate.
3: I don't I, see, I, I, I
1: think
3: don't he don't see that at the all. League,
0: and, and actually, I actually think he'd be
1: great at Tottenham because I actually think Nagelsmann works best when he's punching yeah. upwards. He's working at a club that has to prove itself. You so have to... to punch
2: in all sorts of directions at <laughs> <I don't> Spurs. <know. laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: well, Up, yeah, upwards, okay. sideways, downwards. Like, you know, yeah. also, you know, uh, like Antonio Conte has just burnt the entire house down. So there's not much <laughs> left. Not and, much. That would, well, and yeah, you know, first. just
3: to jump in here, I think that would make sense. You know, you look at like, you'd look at your pinkers, but also like, more recently, Roger Schmidt, what he did, right? He went abroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. And sort of rebuild your reputation. I, I don't Nico think
1: he's, right.
3: he's not yeah. going back. What's to Hoffenheim? I think that's not going to happen. He's going to go and you know take some time off and then probably go abroad because how that's the that seems to be the thing to do for German coaches that have failed at the the biggest clubs in Germany, right? Um, they go abroad right. and they rebuild their reputation there, and I think that's what's going to happen. So Tottenham is not out of the question, but it could also be something like. Benfica are not looking. What well, they might, they might look for a coach in the summer because Rogers you could see up, him like turn right? up at Marseille, money right? Yeah,
1: somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. something like I, that. I did. I didn't think this was going to go the way that I ended up sounding like uh, Julian Nagelsmann's agent on this, but I feel like I, I can't believe we're talking about this guy a failure and that he's going to struggle for jobs. He hasn't technically lost anything yet. You know, he's still joint top of the Bundesliga. He's still. One of the favourites for the Champions League. I honestly think if, if, he, if he does get sacked tonight or tomorrow, I think he's probably going to feel like he has to prove himself very quickly. I think there'll be chairman and chief executives around European football who look at his record mm-hmm. and yeah. say he, he, he didn't do anything wrong. Now, maybe You, there's you something- have to
0: remember, this is Bayern, though. This is Bayern. And they f- sacked Felix Maggot after winning the double, the domestic double, and it still wasn't good enough, and they let him go. know, <laughs> The yeah. expectations are massive. Massive time because but, they are massive.
1: But what's maybe not good for Bayern is good enough elsewhere. You know, we've talked about a number of the head coaches who've moved on elsewhere. I mean, I actually think Niko Kovac is maybe a good example here. I know his his reputation still or the jury's maybe still out on him because Wolfsburg seemed to go up and down, but he stepped away from it. He did fantastically well in France and he's made, he was able to kind of bounce back in that regard. Mm. But I think there'll be Premier League clubs lining up to high under to be perfectly honest with you. I think he'd do a good job there. Um and I don't know, well, I, I honestly don't I, don't, I don't think like something like Real Madrid, maybe in terms of PR it doesn't work, but you also got to remember that Real Madrid's current head coach is a guy who did a pretty average job at Everton, so they don't really seem to care about the previous job they did before that, uh, and they've obviously had the Ryan Nags for quite some time.
3: And Real, like buying an opportunistic, they might just say, okay, he's
0: available, let's go for it. Yeah. And Nagelsmann speaks very good English. We mustn't forget that. So that opens many doors. Mm, exactly.
1: Um, well, are we done here, guys? or Does anyone else have anything else to add? No, I think this is perfect. Okay, great. Um, well, listen, guys, thanks for listening, everyone who has. I'm hoping you are all subscribers uh, to the Game Pressing Newsletter and Podcast. Yes, I am getting that in before we finish up, but... You can, of course, find Seb on the TIFO football show, the podcast every week, videos, a lot of athletic stuff as well. And Phil mm. Boney, who, Phil, am I right in saying you'll probably
0: be the man coming through our years uh, for the Barn Dortmund game? No, actually, uh, I, I actually got the uh, the Schalke Dortmund game recently. So I think it's possibly either Dan or uh, it could also be uh, Derek Ray, who's, who's, who's pulled the lucky straw on that one. Oh, well, not not a bad substitute, um, but yeah. I'm I should sure say anyone... I, don't, I don't. We try not to let anybody down on the Bundesliga because uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's it's even more mad than it ever was. I mean, this is <laughs> we we're all regardless of where your uh, hopes, dreams, and aspirations are. If you're going to win it, win it on the last day, as as I'm sure you'll all appreciate. I mean, there's nothing worse than having a team win it by just before Easter. Oh, yeah, That
1: goes without saying, I'm sure some Barn Vinick fans would have preferred to have a quiet Thursday night, but for the rest of us uh, it's been good fun and it's been a great season so far, so yeah I'm just going to wrap this up now, uh, thanks again for everyone who listened, thanks to the guys who joined in I know we had a lot of people request to speak and ask questions, but it was a little overwhelming and I think it would have just turned into chaos, so I, I do apologise for that, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening, I'll try and download this and maybe get up on the podcast feed, uh, so Hopefully more people can listen. But yeah, as ever, thanks very much and good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.